you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. Welcome to By the Book. This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 117. If you have listened to our last couple of podcasts, you know that we are dealing with the concepts of victory and endurance in spite of the difficulties and challenges that come our way in life. And I cannot emphasize how important it is that we get those victories because uh, the troubles don't end. The troubles aren't going to end until we get to glory. And unfortunately, there are too many people who are casualties uh, in the battle that we fight here on earth. And being a casualty will lead people to turn away from the Lord, uh, to not worship in a good church. Uh, Sometimes they forsake their marriage, forsake their family, all kinds of things uh, where people end up angry and bitter. And the simple truth is you and I cannot live there. And here's the real blessing. We don't have to live there. And a lot of people are living there. They're, they're living in self-pity. They're living in defeat and discouragement and depression. And that's not where we're supposed to be. That's not where we need to be. And so we are looking in the scriptures at some of the uh, principles that God gives us that meet us along the road of trial and difficulty and trouble. And uh, they deal not with just a single incident or a single experience. They are for our life. They are, as I call them, uh, verses or principles to live with. And I try to live with them, and I encourage you to endeavor to live with them uh, because there's uh, too much uh, defeat and discouragement. I don't want to be there, and I hope you don't want to be there either. Tragically, some people think that they are there and they have to be there and they can't ever get the victory. Well, that's not true. And we're going to find that victory in the Word of God with the instructions and truths that God gives us and with our own response of faith and obedience. So where are we today? Well, let me read to you again a verse that may be very, very familiar, and then we're going to look at uh, what leads to it in the context. But in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, here's what Paul writes. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, Let me add verse 14 here. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Our main focus, although we're going to deal with it all, but our main focus is that which we see in verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind. I want to tell you something. You can't live in the past. Uh, Too many people do. They're defeated by the past. They are uh, taken down by the past. 
Uh, sometimes, quite frankly, it's it's the hurts of the past, but sometimes it's even the the successes of the past. Uh, but you and I cannot live in the past. We cannot let the past uh, dictate the life that we live now. So we're going to get to that verse, but I want to just back up and kind of set the stage here. Paul is writing and giving something of his own testimony. And uh, Paul had quite a past. He had some positives in his past. He had some real negatives in his past. And he is uh, talking to us in this chapter about his testimony. And he says, I'm going to begin in verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul says, let me tell you what I was looking at in my life to give me a standing before God and to give me some satisfaction in my own being. And then he says this, verse 5, circumcised the eighth day, that was Jewish law, of the stock of Israel, one of God's chosen people, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. Uh, he did not want to go the way of the Grecians, the Jewish people who were giving way to the, the Greek culture. He said, not me, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And as touching the law, a Pharisee. Pharisees had great respect for the law, even though they misused it and misinterpreted it. They were loyal to the law. And then, part of his past, verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. And he was zealous. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death, and he went on from there to persecute and to kill and to arrest. Praise the Lord, he got saved. And then he says, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He said, I was loyal to the Old Testament scriptures. He said, I was blameless. He lived quite a life. But then he says, and boy, I'm glad for this, but what things were gained to me, and that's that whole list that he had. He thought all that stuff was helping him be right with God. He said, those I counted lost for Christ. And I want to tell you, that's what happens to everybody who gets saved. Everybody who is unsaved, <clears throat> if they have any interest in heaven at all, and you ask them why they think they might go to heaven, they'll give you their list. may not be the same list as Paul, but they'll have their list of why they think they would be acceptable to God. But Paul said, those things that were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. In other words, he rejected every one of those things, and instead he claimed Christ. And that is salvation. That's what any person has to do. You have to turn away from everything else that you ever hoped in or trusted in, and you lay hold of Christ and Christ alone. That's how you get saved. But then Paul went on and said this, verse 8, yea, doubtless, and I count 
And the idea here is I continue to count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. In other words, he said, I rejected everything to get Christ, and now I'm continuing to reject everything because I want the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I want to know Christ as well as I possibly can. So he says, for whom, middle of verse 8, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, rejected all that stuff, and do count them but dung, trash, or refuse. Why? That I may win Christ. This man didn't just want to go to heaven. He wanted a very intimate, personal, powerful relationship with his Savior and with his Heavenly Father. He said in verse 9, and be found in him. The idea is uh, discovered in him. When, when I have people who look at me, here's what I want them to see. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. That's what he was banking on before he got saved. But that which is through, that is the righteousness, which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness, which is of God by faith. He said, that's how I want to live. That's what I want my testimony to be. Now, in, in coming to know Christ, the excellency of Christ, he makes some statements beginning in verse 10, and that's going to lead us down to verse 13. And again, we're not going to go into a lot of depth, but I want you to get hold of it because this is his uh, desire for his Christian life. Verse 10 says that I may know him. Now, you know, when you get saved, you say, I know the Lord. But there's a difference between knowing the Lord and being saved and knowing the Lord in terms of a personal and intimate relationship with your God and Savior. Do you sense the depth of that relationship with him? Do you know him? Not just know about him, but you feel like, I know him. I'm close to him. He's close to me. And then he says, and he wanted to know or experience the power of his resurrection. In other words, the resurrection for the Lord Jesus demonstrated his victory over sin, his victory over death, his victory over Satan. And Paul's saying, I want that. I want the power of his resurrection. I want to live a victorious life. And then he said, and the fellowship of his sufferings. He wanted to, shall we say, deepen his fellowship with, with Christ. He was willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. And then he says, and uh, being made conformable unto his death. He said, and I'm, I'm willing to die for the sake of the Lord and my, my fellowship with him. And of course, that's our Lord Jesus, who in obedience was willing to die even the death of the cross. So Paul says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And what he's really talking about there is what I call a, a humble anticipation of his physical resurrection. That day is coming. So uh, we're seeing here like a, a pathway of his growth, spiritual development, and spiritual desire. 
He wanted to know the Lord. He wanted victory over sin and Satan. He was willing to suffer. He was willing even to die and all of that in anticipation of the fact that someday he will be physically raised from the dead. And in his life, he hoped that he would be, uh, he would attain it. He would somehow uh, be be worthy of it. Now, I want to be very careful about that term. It's not trying to say that he would deserve it, but he just wanted to live that right and godly life. And then he said this in verse 12, and this is important, not as though I had already attained either were already perfect. Well, I think you and I realize we've got a long way to go in our life, a long way to go in developing our testimony and growing. And here's the Apostle Paul, who is the standout believer of all time, says, I know this, uh, I haven't attained and I'm not perfect. I'm not mature. I still have a long way to go. If Paul would say that, then I'll tell you, you and I have a long way to go. But he said this, but I follow after. He said, I, but I'm, I'm chasing this thing. I, I want to be this person that I'm talking about. And then he makes what I think is one of the most uh, intriguing, powerful statements in Scripture for us as believers. He says, if that I may apprehend, apprehend means to, uh, to get hold of, to grasp. He said, if that I may apprehend or get hold of that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, I like to put that in in uh, this simple phraseology, uh, Paul says this, I want to get hold of the reason that Jesus Christ got hold of me. Now, that, that moves me. That stirs me. That's a desire of my life, and I'm going to assume it's a desire of your life. Lord, you drew me to yourself. You've given me eternal life. I am your child. I am, I am here. You've given me the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I know you have purpose for me. You have purpose for my life. And Lord, I, I want to get it. I want to know why I exist. I want to know why I'm here on this earth. I want to become everything that you would want me to be. Lord, show me, draw me, teach me, challenge me, change me. Every Christian should be thinking the way Paul was thinking, and, and I hope you are. I hope we never get satisfied. Well, I've, I've done enough. I, I think I've served God sufficiently. Paul said, oh, no, <laughs> I know I have a long way to go. And boy, if Paul had a long way to go, you and I have a long way to go. But he said, I want to get hold of why God has hold of me. I want to know why I exist, why I'm here. And then he says in verse 13, and here's our verse, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, I think Paul understood a lot about life and a lot about his, his purpose for living. But he says here in this statement, I count not myself to have apprehended. I still don't fully understand why I'm here and what God has for me, but I want it. 
I don't want to miss it. I've often said in my own life that I don't want to stand before the Lord someday and the Lord kind of lay out. Now, here's what your life was, and here's what you did, and here's where you went. And and then say to me, but listen, here is what I wanted for you. Here is why I saved you. Here is why I called you. Here is why you were on that earth. Here is the purpose that I had for you. I don't want to miss that. Paul didn't want to miss that. I don't think you want to miss that. And Paul could say, here he is in his ministry. This man is serving God with seemingly everything that he had. He said, I, I haven't gotten it yet. I don't have it yet. I don't fully understand, but I'm pursuing it. And then he said this, and this is a very powerful statement. He said, but this one thing I do. He said, I'll tell you one thing I do. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, but there's still more out there for me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to talk for a few moments about the challenge to forget. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things of the past. Now, to forget doesn't mean that somehow we become unaware of those things. There's a lot of things I wish I could forget. But it doesn't mean that all of a sudden I'm not aware that they happened anymore. I'm not aware what people said or what people did or where I went. Or, it's not that. It, the term forget here is a term that suggests the idea of uh, neglecting, not letting those things influence me, not letting those things impact me, especially in a negative way forgetting those things which are behind. The, the term is written in an in intensive form. It's got an extra little prefix there that puts intensity in this. You must forget. You must put those things behind you. Again, those things cannot be changed. Anything in your life that you wish never happened? But you can't change it, can you? And that's why you and I need to be careful what we do today, because today will be yesterday, tomorrow, and we'll look back. There's a lot of people who, who live in the past, and usually, unfortunately, it is a source of discouragement and uh, defeat. But it can't be changed. It can't be changed in your life, and, and it can't be changed in somebody else's life either. And you and I need to remember that. Sometimes the past can be a source of pride. And there's a lot of people live there. They live in the past. They live in the victories and successes of the past. 
Well, that's no good because that can create pride in us. It can create complacency in us and apathy in us. And we feel like, well, we we did our part. I don't know how many people have said that through the years. I did my part. I served my time. I whatever. And and uh, that's where I'm I'm living now. I'm I'm happy with what I did, but I'm not doing anything now. Well, it can be a source of pride, to be sure. Most often, it is a source of defeat and sorrow. I wish I had never done that. I wish I had never gone there. I wish I had never said that. I wish I never... But we did. You and I must not live in the past. Satan would love to continue to remind us of the past. He'd love to use that to defeat us and discourage us. And you might be in that that mess right now. Now, if there are things in the past that need to be dealt with, confession, the seeking of forgiveness, the giving of forgiveness, uh, making reparations if necessary. I remember a man I dealt with one time, and he had uh, stolen from a man who owned a store, and when he got saved, he was really burdened about that, but he was also scared to death. And he thought, if I go back and I confess, man, I could end up in jail because it was a very serious issue. So, but but it was so burdensome. I said, you, you know, you got to go. And you say to the man, here I am, you know, I, I'm confessing to you. You didn't know that I did it, but I'm the one. And I'm I'm confessing it to you and I will do whatever. And if I'm going to, Go to jail, I'll go to jail, and whatever. And uh, and he went, and the man forgave him. Not everybody gets forgiven like that. But he couldn't, he couldn't live with that. It was just destroying him. I think of another fellow who, who uh, had uh, responsibilities with child support, and he didn't pay it for a long time. And I don't remember all the detail, but I remember he. He said, you know, he knew he had to take care of it, but again, he he thought he could end up in jail. So I offered to go with him, and we drove up uh, northern Pennsylvania to a community where he lived, and we went in, and we asked for this lady, and uh, I don't remember all the detail except I know this. She said it was taken care of. You know, you're not going to be held accountable, and he walked out, and it was, it was great. But, you know, he was, he was free. And I want to say this to you, if there are things in the past that you know you need to deal with, then deal with them because they will plague you and they will defeat you and they will discourage you. But there's also the things back there where you were the victim. You were hurt. You were hurt by people. You were failed by people. And unfortunately, the hurts and heartaches of the past are often in the context of our Christian experience. 
It could be a pastor. It could be a deacon. It could be some Christian we depended on and what they did to us and how they failed us. And now that's why we're not living for God. You cannot live back there. You can't do it. There's no victory. It is defeat after defeat after defeat. And again, you might think that it was unfair. Well, life is not fair. And I hate to use that terminology, but it's true. Life is not fair. We build expectations of what we think life ought to be like and how people should be and how they ought to treat us. And sometimes uh, they drop the ball and we get hurt. And then we're done. Forgetting those things which are behind. Not that they didn't exist, but we will not, by God's grace, allow them to be the source of our defeat and discouragement. Rather than look at people, we're going to turn our attention to God. We're going to turn our attention to not where we were, what we did, what happened back then, but we are going to turn and focus on the future. Sometimes it's the loss of loved ones that people can't get over. And I know some folks like that. And uh, my own heart was broken when my son passed away. But I knew this as much as it hurt, and it did. I can't live there. We have to turn ourselves forward. We have to turn ourselves heavenward. We have to turn ourselves toward the future, set those things behind us, and say, I am going to live for God. And so Paul puts it this way, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Reaching forth is like to, to stretch forward. You, you're so desirous to move forward, you're stretching ahead. You're reaching ahead. You're not looking behind. You're moving forward. You and I have to move forward. You and I have to keep learning and growing and serving. Paul, in doing that, put it this way in verse 14. I press toward the mark. I press. I, I follow after. I, I chase it. I'm going after it. I press toward, and listen to this next little phrase, the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That term mark, I'm pressing toward the mark. What an interesting term. If you look it up, you would find that it means this, where the eye is fixed. Paul said, I press toward the mark. I am pressing toward the place where my eye is fixed. I'm not looking backward. I'm not living back there. I'm not looking to the side. I've got my eyes fixed on the future. I've got my eyes fixed on serving God and living for God and the day that I'm going to be with him and all that I might be able to, to do to be used of him and to glorify him. That's where I'm going. I'm getting out of the, the dumps and the doldrums. I'm not going back there. It happened. I had to forgive. Yes, you do. I had to forgive. 
I have to put it aside. I'm going to move forward. I want to be successful for God. I don't want to be that casualty. I press toward the mark where my eye is fixed. Unfortunately, sometimes our eye is fixed in the wrong direction. I press toward the mark for the prize. The prize, the award, the reward. Someday you and I are going to stand before the Lord. It's hard to envision that, but it's going to happen. And I believe while others may observe, it's going to be a very personal experience for each of us. I'm going to answer to my God. You are going to answer to your God. And we should hope, and it's not wrong to hope, but we should hope that in that day, in that moment, we will receive reward. If the Lord would say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I want to tell you, I don't think we'd need anything else. But you and I will never have that experience of victory and reward if we continue to live in the past. Yes, you got hurt. Yes, you got defeated. Yes, you got discouraged. Yes, people were wrong. Yes, people maybe ought to be punished, at least in our mind. But you cannot live there. Stop. You press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, the the upward calling, the call to heaven. Someday, if you're saved, someday you're going to be in heaven. It's going to happen. I hope it happens by way of the rapture. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus to come back, and and in this day and age, he could surely come at any moment. I hope he comes very, very quickly. But it might be through the death experience. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Maybe you will die. Maybe I will die. Everybody else has, right? But either way, someday, if you're saved, you're going to be in heaven. And that is what will matter. Remember last time we talked about the Romans passage of chapter 8. The the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that, that will follow. And I want to tell you, if you and I don't get hold of that truth, we will live uh, in defeat and misery all our days. Forgetting those things which are behind. Stop living back there. Turn our eyes, turn our hearts toward the future, toward the hope of heaven, toward the service of God. That's where the victory is. Learn to get hold of the reason God got hold of you. That's what I want. Hope that's what you want too. God bless you till next time.